Welcome to Cranky Commentaries. As always, I am your host, Jack Del Mastro, and as always, I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hello. This is, uh, I'm very excited about this, uh, this two-episode series we're going to be doing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you say that as if it's not a regular thing, but we always do two episodes. No, I know. I didn't mean, like, that's a special thing. Yeah. I just, I was outlining what we're going to be doing, and that I'm excited Absolutely. about Absolutely. So yeah, I think this is just gonna be a really fun one. Um, yeah, yeah. So a little bit. last week. So yeah, go, go for it. No, you go ahead. I was just gonna say. So last week we did a movie that was set in the 1940s. Indeed. And now this week we are going to do a movie that was made in the 1940s. I know. And actually, that movie so would be Keaton. This is we're doing uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which is uh, yeah a misleading title. It is misleading because well, it's not misleading because they do meet Frankenstein, well, but I mean, a lot more happens. Yeah, I mean, I mean, technically, well, actually, they meet Frankenstein's monster. Uh, but, That's you true. Know. They don't meet Frankenstein. Yeah, Frankenstein's yeah, not but... in this movie. Um, but and then you can address um, that. It's funny. I like that. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it a bit more. The title later on when we talk about the pre-production. But exactly, uh, they do in the film. They don't call him Frankenstein. I mean, Costello refers to him as Frankie at one point, but like that's just a yeah, bit. that's true. Um, yeah. But but they like they do make the distinction because like when they have the journal, it's it's Frankenstein's journal, you know, and they and he's credited exactly. as the monster. Anyway, we'll get into all this because I'm getting but ahead yeah. of myself. But do we want to just uh, for a second for those who aren't familiar with who Abbott can, who Abbott and Costello are, just give people a brief overview of who they are and what they did. Well, we'll get into that in a little bit like more detail. They're kind of their like their you know their story, but just for a little bit of background, you yeah, know, off the top, they are probably the most famous comedy duo of all time. Um, from the started in the thirties and then thirties and forties, thirties and forties. Yeah. yeah, they fell apart in the fifties, and we, we you know that we might we'll talk, talk about, about that, that later next but, week. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, that's not. Uh, really but this basically. Episode. Sorry, two guys from New Jersey that basically have these like really long verbal routines that they do, um, and yeah. yeah, most of it revolves around like uh, just like miscommunications. Yeah, exactly. And the, yeah, every you'll probably and just like know plays them. on the English language. Exactly, you'll know them from Who's on First, most likely. Exactly, that's their yeah. most famous bit of all time. Is the probably. Who's on First bit. Landed them in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Did you know that? I did not know that, but that's hilarious. That They're the sense. only two people that have nothing to do with baseball that are in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I mean, that's how legendary they are. They are exactly like, their film legends, and I think. Well, yeah, they were pretty cool. You should watch more sketches after this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were hilarious. And uh, I would like to point out, uh, if you haven't seen this movie and you would like to do it before we start, it is on YouTube uh, and on Internet Archive and other places. So you should be able to find it without too much problem. Hell's yeah. Yeah, yeah, because well, right. yeah, it's, it's pretty old, so. Yeah. Uh, what uh, was I going to say? So it was made in 1948. Uh, 1948, 1948. Right? yeah. yeah. So. Um, yes, okay, let's get on with, let's get, let's get on with it. It's, uh, it's time for uh, the everybody's. The five-minute summary? The five-minute summary, yeah. I believe All right, I'm ready for this. To, uh, to summarize the film. In our yeah. uh, in five minutes, let me just pull up a, uh, a timer. Timer. For you. Are are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right. One. So, like I said, this movie has a surprisingly coherent plot, and I'll it get is, into it when he starts. Yeah, it is extremely extremely coherent. All right. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so uh, we start with this guy in England, and he's trying to make a call to some railway station in Florida, I think. Uh, uh, he's basically saying like, "Oh, I, uh, I had you got to make sure that these two packages aren't delivered until I get there." And the two guys working at the railway station are Abbott and Costello, who are basically like baggage clerks. And um, they're basically well, Costello's pretty bad at his job, as we can tell, <laughs> because he's constantly fucking up. Uh, and, but for some reason, uh, there's this like uh, beautiful woman who's who seems to be madly in love with him. <laughs> um, <laughs> So uh, some guy comes to pick up some packages, and he's like, 
I'm McDougal from McDougal's House of Horrors. Meanwhile, they got a uh, call telling them that the packages that they weren't supposed to deliver were for McDougal's House of Horrors. So anyway, uh, he's like, I have the body of Dracula and Frankenstein. It got shipped from Europe. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and then, uh, basically, they try to unload it, but Costello is such a fucking imbecile that, like, he fucks it up. And then this guy is like, no, you need to deliver these in person to my place while the insurance clerk is there. I'm not sure of the legality of that request. But anyway, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they go ahead that. and do it. <laughs> um, and uh, they go to McDougal's House of Horrors, but McDougal hasn't shown up yet. And they have the crates. And so they open the crates. And um, Costello sees that there's fucking Dracula in the fucking coffin. And... He freaks the fuck out, but because but um, Abbott doesn't believe him because that's the routine. <laughs> and there's this whole thing where like Abbott keeps sorry Costello keeps seeing the Dracula and Frankenstein, but Abbott doesn't see anything. And then anyway, um, Dracula and Frankenstein end up waking up and getting out of the coffins and walking away. And meanwhile, McDougal comes and he's like, where's my fucking dead bodies? <laughs> because yeah. I'm a freak. <laughs> I'm a weirdo who's fucking <laughs> And uh, he's like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And then, but, and then calls the cops on them and they go to jail. I'm not sure why they would go to jail. I don't think that that, that losing luggage is necessarily a thing that you can get arrested for. <laughs> it was, a, I, think I think the company would have to deal with that. But anyway, bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get um, uh, what, what did I say? So they um, they get out of jail because Halfway. some mysterious woman has bailed them out. And then uh, basically some guy shows up at their uh, room. I don't know. It's a hotel room or whatever. I don't know. Uh, and then he's like, um, I told you not to give the coffins. By the way, I'm a freak. Lock me in my own room. And we <laughs> later find out that he's the wolf man and that he was supposed to stop uh, fucking Dracula and Frankenstein from doing shit. Then we find out that the Dracula and Frankenstein, that Dracula has a plan to revive Frankenstein and steal Costello's brain and put it into Frankenstein, yes. and that the beautiful lady who was who was in love with uh, Costello is actually evil and she's helping Dracula. Lame. And so then she's like, "You got to come to the costume ball with me, Costello." So they go. It turns out the costume ball is like they go pick her up at Dracula's house, but they're also being tailed by this insurance investigator who also appears to be in love with Costello for whatever reason. <laughs> and then basically they get to the costume ball. Um, but there's a whole bunch of freaky shit going on. The Wolfman, Dracula, uh, fucking, uh, the Wolfman bites some people. Dracula bites some people, hypnotizes people. Shit breaks down. Yeah. She and then the they thing. end up having to go back to Dracula's castle, which is, yeah. And then <laughs> like, uh, then they, they capture Costello and they try to get his brain out and put it inside Frankenstein. But that doesn't work because Abbott and, and uh, the other guy who was like a doctor or whatever. I don't have time to explain Stevens. who he is. One minute. Stevens. He shows up and helps them. And, uh, you know, they all uh, fuck everything up. There's like showdowns between Dracula and Frankenstein and like Abbott Costello. <laughs> and uh, then uh, what you call it? The Wolfman attacks Dracula and then they fall into the water. Uh and then they, uh, basically, they all get out happily ever after. You didn't say what happens to Frankenstein's monster. Oh, yeah, shit. You got 30 seconds. What happens to him again? I forget. He, they light him on fire. Oh, they light him on fire, Stevens right? Yeah, 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 yeah. classic. Fire. Yes, yeah. now I recall. That was a really horrifying looking scene, actually. Yeah, it, was re it looked really good. Yeah, uh, but anyway, that's pretty much it. They burn Frankenstein, they keep... Dracula, sorry, Dracula gets pulled by the Wolfman. Ten seconds. That's What's it. the last thing that happens? Oh, the Invisible Man. The Invisible Man's in the boat, and it's Vincent and Price. Time <laughs> up. <laughs> nice, perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, Vincent Price isn't credited. No, he's not credited. I just know, like, I heard the voice, and I was like, "That's fucking Vincent Price. It that's is, fucking yeah. Thriller. Like, you know, that's Thriller. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think they do a movie with him. Later they do on. a movie. I don't. They do a movie called the next movie they did was uh, Abigail Stone the Invisible Man. Right. I haven't exactly. seen it. I don't know if uh, um, fucking Vincent Price uh, is in it. Vincent Price is the Invisible Man. I'm I'm very curious. Actually, I need to find out. 
Um, or if it's it the is. original Invisible Man, who I believe was Claude Rains, was it? Uh, no, what? Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man, starring. No. Doesn't look who, like who it. Who is the. Uh... Arthur Franz. Arthur Franz. 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 Mm hmm. Yeah, so. So it was Claude Rains who was the original Muslim man, but uh, so neither of them, neither, neither, of the yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Oh well, well, whatever. Shame. Uh, but yeah, anyway, this is a really interesting. I like the way this whole movie came together is really interesting, and I think it's a fun movie. Yeah, uh, it's a, I think this is a really uh, a really good movie. And I, yeah, you know, it's literally, actually, the length that I came up with this movie is we were saying like, because uh, we were trying to come up with a movie from the 1940s that wasn't about World War Two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, so I looked at, like, what are the, difficult. like, some random IMDb list of, like, what are the top movies of the 1940s? And, like, it was, like, Casablanca, some other movies, and this. And I was like, yo, dope, we're doing this. Yeah, of course. No, it's an excellent choice because, you know, it's yeah. it's, it's super lighthearted. It's super interesting story. It's, like, golden age yeah. of film. There's so many, yeah. you know, things. This is, this is the original cinematic universe. Yeah, exactly. It's so this, cool. This, this is it's it the monster verse, but also the Costello, the Evan Costello verse. Yeah, this, it's one universe. This is canon, like Universal <laughs> monsters. Exactly. That's which so is cool. why it's so awesome. Like yeah, like it's 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 so cool. Um, so let's get into our initial thoughts about this movie. I mean, we've kind of bled into it already. Um, but yeah, but just you know, an it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I think some of the gags like go on for maybe a little long. I mean, that's the that's the. But style that's kind of, of the point, yeah. Because yeah. uh, like, there's a lot of gags that are just like, oh, uh, Costello can't see something, but it's yeah. right behind him. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's so. But it's but it's so good. It, it's good. It's it, it, you can't be stressed how like important it is for like the future of comedy. You know this is so absolutely yeah. Like basically all of Scooby Doo is just Abbott and Costello bits, really. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of other cartoons like that. You know, actually draw from it. It's a lot. Oh of, like, yeah, cartoons. I forgot the cartoons in this movie are really cool. Yeah, that the special the way they drew really them good. on top of the. Yeah. I mean, it was clearly them drawing on like. Using a transparency or whatever. Yeah, of course. So it's it like was... it was clearly not realistic looking, but it was still really cool. Yeah, it looked good. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I thought yeah, Costello... special effects were good. Yeah, I uh, thought I thought Costello carried the comedy. I think that's kind of the point, though. I think that's his role. No, 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 no. no. You can't underestimate how important Abbott is. No, I mean to the whole thing to work. The straight man is necessary for the whole thing. Yeah, but, it's but, like, but he feed they feed off each other, you know. Yeah. Or like, like I yeah, it's like Abbott always sets up the bit, you know what I mean? Yeah, usually not always. Though, yeah, which is why not I always that he carries. But it's like, exactly, yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, um, they, they, it's there's a reason it's a duo, obviously. Like it didn't exactly. work as well with just. And both of them, I think, tried to do a couple things on their own, but none of them were pretty. Yeah, yeah, pretty successful. It didn't really. They didn't have much of a career outside of being a duo, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it's. Just, I think it's a real, it's a solid, super solid movie. Yeah, and it's of, like a lot of really good bits. Although, like, I was watching a lot of the scenes from this movie like out of context today. Yeah, and there's some genuinely horrifying images. <laughs> it's like, it's because it's like it's not really like a. It, it's not a pure comedy. Like this is just a horror movie with Abbott and Costello bits. In, absolutely no I, that's absolutely yeah. true there's like it is actually pretty like, like if you've seen any of the universal horror movies like this is like one of them yeah it's not but they just have Abbott Costello put in there exactly it's not a straight comedy it's absolutely a, a horror comedy mixture and they don't sacrifice like at least their style of horror for yeah their style of horror is a little campy already but you know well it was it was the the way of the day you know what exactly I mean? totally totally and like you know, we'll get into all the the stuff with the production and whatnot a little bit more in the pre-production uh, a little later on. But yeah, yeah. So I guess let's talk about some of the basic facts then, and we because we've already obviously talked about Abbott and Costello being the the main people, but there's a lot of other uh, you know uh, individuals involved. 
Um, yeah, well, actually, like the cast in this movie is is really incredible. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That they they get they got the band back together basically. Basically. Except yeah. for Boris Karloff, who, yeah, but we'll yeah, talk well, about that. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we we will talk about it. But yeah, so obviously you've got Lon Chaney Jr., who is uh, yeah. who's the Wolfman, um, mm-hmm. and he's the only Universal monster who played the Wolfman in every uh, incarnation. As in, he never had like a another version of like there were never another actor playing the Wolfman. Yeah, in every like original Universal Wolfman movie, it was Lon Chaney Jr., mm-hmm. which is cool. And then, of course, you have Bella Lugosi. Oh um, yeah, absolutely amazing. As the classic, uh, uh, he is Dracula. Like, yeah, he everything you know about Dracula today, you're talking about Bella Lugosi, basically. Yeah, exactly. And he he was the original. He like defined the character, Dracula. And then he wasn't Dracula for a while. This is like his second Dracula film, actually. I think, which is kind of funny. Is it actually? That's I Weird. think so because he was the original Dracula, which was obviously yeah. extremely influential, and yeah. then and then uh, another actor took over, and then this he was this one I believe I'm a, I'm ninety five percent sure about that, right? And then uh, and then as Frankenstein you have Glenn Strange, uh, mm-hmm. who is so in- notably not the original actor Boris Karloff. No, but he had most been, people. Yeah, he he had been. Frankenstein for the last two yeah, films, so definitely, yeah. Technically, he but not in the classic the ones. No, he's not Boris Karloff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you have Lenore Aubert and Jane Randolph as uh, I've forgotten their characters' names already. the 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 insurance investigator, Sandra, and, and uh, Sandra Mornay, and. Mm. Uh, Joan Raymond. Yeah, well, there you go. So, you know, pretty uh, classic, you know, female characters in your in a forties film, uh, like yeah. the soft like filter they do whenever they're it's just them in the shot. Yeah, <laughs> pretty so, classic. Know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's need I say more about their characters? Yeah. Um, but well, I mean, Sandra has kind of an interesting character. <laughs> like she's secretly a villain. Sandra, a yeah, well, it, it's an interesting character, absolutely. Like yeah. the actual, the, the 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 device of it is a super interesting. Yeah. So then, uh, who else is uh, involved? You've got the director Charles Barton, who has worked with Abbott and Costello many, many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, this was not the first time, so makes sense that they would get him back. Um, and obviously we've mentioned Universal a bunch of times. Yeah, so basically this this entire thing came about essentially as like Universal was like, hey, we have these really popular Abigail films, and hey, we have these really popular monster movies. What if we put them together? What would happen if we just jammed them together? Yeah, and, and we'll... yeah, and uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, it worked out well. Yeah. Um. So budget. Seven hundred ninety-two thousand two hundred and seventy dollars, which That's obviously ha- does not scale because this is like nineteen forty-eight dollars. Yeah, nineteen forty-eight dollars, and obviously you know film industry is a little inflation. bit different too. So, not yeah. yeah, not to mention inflation. So then the box office three point two million. So yeah, uh, once again nineteen forty-eight dollars. Nineteen forty. So that's good. That's very yeah, good. Yeah, that's damn good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the music's by Frank Skinner. Uh, we'll talk about the music a little bit more next week, I think. But you know, it's it's good. Yeah. It's 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 very it's, you know. It's, it's because it's it's uh, classic Universal horror music. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's uh let's uh, move on. Let's talk about kind of you know, Abbott and Costello's uh, uh, uh a little bit of the background before we get into the yeah sure let's get let's the do that. pre-production you know because like I said they're legends so it's it's pretty relevant to talk about you know cool where they came from and we won't go into too much detail as we always you know because they're not you know there might be other films in, in, that we do of theirs at some point so you know there's other stuff all right but anyway <laughs> <laughs> let's dig in to the information okay. that we have here 
Um, so, so Bud Abbott came from like a, a showbiz family, right? So mm-hmm. he was he was already kind of involved in the burlesque scene from a young age. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, pa- so Bud Abbott is the straight man. He's he's like the tall guy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should specify. Um, yeah. He, yeah, he's a straight man. He was in the burlesque scene doing comedy. And the burlesque scene, as everybody knows, is like, you know, awesome fucking naked dancing and, you know, with awesome costumes and comedy. Yeah. So that's... that's it's a weird a, mix. It's an interesting mix, but that's uh, that's what it is. And it's, it's what it is. It, it, it was very, very popular in the 30s. So that's what Bud Abbott, and before then too. Uh, but so then you also have Lou Costello. As you, they're both from New Jersey, you said. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you could tell out of their accent. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, yeah. <laughs> but apparently, Lou Costello moved to Hollywood because he wanted to be a Hollywood actor. Um, mm-hmm. He was a big fan Lou of... Did? Uh, Lou Costello, yeah. 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 Because uh, he, he, um, he was a big fan of Charlie Chaplin. Oh, yeah. I can see that. But he didn't really, he couldn't really, you know, make it in Hollywood in, in the 30s. He wasn't really finding jobs. He could only find jobs building sets and being a stuntman. Oh, really? Uh, he had a couple stunts in this movie. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. Um, but a stuntman at the time is not really the stuntman as we know it now. No, it's definitely just, not. I imagine it's a lot more painful. Yeah. Definitely. You just hire a guy because there's like you know no fucking insurance or anything like for these guys. You just like hire them to like throw themselves off stuff and get hurt yeah. for money, and they sign a contract. Anyway, that's he didn't love that. No, shockingly. I can imagine not. Uh, so, <laughs> so he moved to Missouri for some reason. That seems like an odd place to go. Yeah, I guess. I guess the burlesque scene was doing well there because he went and St. Louis yeah maybe and he became a stage comedian um and just you know started you know touring the the circuit which is obviously where he met Bud Abbott and they have coincidentally is also from New Jersey (laughs) yeah I know (laughs) they didn't meet in New Jersey well maybe they did but not specifically at that you know when they were coming up they didn't start performing there yeah Apparently, it's an interesting story. Apparently, Costello, like, already had a straight man that he performed with. Mm -hmm. Um, But that guy was not available for a particular show. So uh, Abbott just kind of filled in. He filled in, and they kind of just hit it off? Yeah, exactly. He apparently had super amounts of, like, tons of chemistry. And, like, they really just, they just started performing together, like, all over the burlesque circuit. Um, And very quickly, they got onto you know onto the radio the i wonder i wonder what that other guy thought uh after he saw them become so famous oh he was probably i was thinking about that it's probably like he's uh, probably like absolutely devastated yeah it's probably like george best <laughs> sorry probably like george best oh okay the original drummer for the beatles yeah no pete best mm. my mistake pete get best. your beatles fucking trivia right yeah man. whatever i got the last <laughs> name right that's what's important <laughs> Yeah, he has a band now. Right? He that he makes his money off of being the guy who was almost in the Beatles, which is like yeah. good for him. I respect that. Good for him, but also, <laughs> yeah, like it's 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 hilarious. Like he plays shows yeah. as like yeah. the Pete Best band. Yeah, he was also he also put out an album called Best of the Beatles. Oh, that's <laughs> almost that's almost too sad. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this is an I mean, aside. Yeah, an aside. All, again, good for him. I do respect his career. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um Yeah, so so they, they, they got on the radio. They were, you know, super super popular. Um they got their own radio show and apparently at this point their their voices sounded exactly the same on the radio. Oh so, really? Yeah, so they they had to kind of adjust their their act. Okay. So that's okay. why so Costello. They... Is that why he talks funny? That's why he talks funny. Yeah, he. So he like uh, like he 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 overemphasizes his accent then. Yeah, he, the they the way they put it is like he basically like yeah yeah he he talks like a lot higher pitched and more like yeah. silly. Definitely um, yeah. Basically, which is interesting. Basically, just for the radio. Like, I wonder if that would have, you know. Yeah, I wonder if, if that would have happened had they started in film. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Maybe, but yeah. So, the but it's definitely a big part of their act. Is, is a, 
exactly. No, it, well, it's yeah. it's what yeah. makes their you know uh, take on the the straight man funny man like yeah. it's so distinct. I don't know. They have such a good uh, uh, take on it because obviously it's not their original. You know. No, I mean it's a pretty common format. Exactly, it's a formula, but they are the most famous modern version of it i think yeah obviously this leads so their television spots is kind of where you first see who's on first the world sees it you know yeah i imagine they'd been doing it for years prior probably i think i first saw it on like some vhs that i had (laughs) it makes sense because i think it was like they put it in a movie i forget which movie they did a bunch of movies no it wasn't a movie it was like i think it was like a collection of skits Right, right, right. Well, they did yeah. do both. My, what I was, I just mean they like they did do it as skits, and then they also put it yeah. in movies. Like it was. But they've done that routine things. like a million times. Yeah, yeah, and it's quite a long routine. Oh, it's and they have all the different parts, and know, somehow they remember all the players' names and shit. It's yeah. such a stupid so, gag that they they. It's they, so stupid, but it's so, so funny. intricate that they like they made it hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and. I mean, it, it's it's a very exquisitely crafted joke. Yeah, I I've um this is a bit of an aside, but I've I've heard Jerry Seinfeld talk about how um him and uh, 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 Jason Alexander, George Costanza, they yeah. kind of had an Did they learn Costello it? type vibe. Like he, they went for that in the. Oh, in okay, the show. it makes sense. And I mean, obviously. Like, um, fucking Jason Alexander's Lucas Dahl. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously. And I, I'm not necessarily, like, about, like, the straight man, funny man, because but they're both funny just the men. dynamic. But just, yeah. like, yeah, and, like, the they're, they're kind of, like, they're pitter-patter. Like, the way they talk back yeah, and exactly. forth and, like, like they yeah. speak back and forth so quickly, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, that, I just thought that was interesting that it's, like, they, they did, it's... They were the most famous comedy duo of all time, and then you know, probably the most famous sitcom of all time now is like yeah, maybe drawing from that. Who's on first? Obviously, is like you know, that's a uh, huge as we said. So that gets them uh that gets them their first movie spot, mm-hmm. um, which is for Universal. Yeah, so they signed. So back in the day, like uh, actors had contracts with studios. Yeah, it's a lot like so. Th- musicians yeah well not really anymore <laughs> yeah i guess it's different now but um but what was i gonna say so basically when they sign this deal with universal that means they're only making movies for universal yeah they sign so but yeah they sign like a certain number of movie deal so like mm-hmm. they're they're in universal's roster exactly uh yeah i believe this this was basically destroyed by the actors union because <laughs> they really didn't like this arrangement yeah, I mean it's it's not yeah. a great arrangement for yeah. actors. For the actor, yeah. But you know that's that's the way it was. Hollywood was uh the wild west. <laughs> yeah. At at the time, I guess it's starting to become a bit more legitimate. I mean, still 1941. So I don't know. When was Lawrence of Arabia made? That was 1962. But that was also not made in. Well, it was made with Hollywood actors, but. Yeah, well, right. Not Hollywood made actors, in Hollywood, but, but it was made yeah. by Hollywood. definitely. Yeah, it was made Hollywood Hollywood money. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. we're getting off topic with that. Sorry, I just wanted yeah. to. I I kind of think of Lawrence as the Ra- of Arabia as kind of like the watershed moment <laughs> of what of, of just of like cinema age, like the age of cinema <laughs> kind of shifting. It's definitely to a, new a towering era. achievement of like it's definitely like I would say like the. Uh, it's like the platonic ideal of like a 1960s epic movie. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So yeah, after uh, the their first movie, which is a, fi- a film called Buck Privates, which they're uh, they play soldiers, which was made mm-hmm. in 1941, which as many of you may realize was during was the war. During the yeah, <laughs> the war that we've already talked about many the times. The war that we talked about all last week. Yeah, exactly. Although we didn't really talk about the war itself. No, we, well, we talked about <laughs> talked about things aspects. that were happening on the yeah different aspects of the war. Yeah, yeah, less. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, service films. A lot of they like you know they made a lot of movies called and they called during the war. 
of people. Yeah, so the, the these would have been to like uh, both for like promotional purposes for like you know the military and also to like entertain like GIs and things like that. Absolutely, it's a whole bunch of they served a whole bunch of purposes. It's a super exactly. interesting uh, uh, subgenre of movie that uh, you should look into. Yeah, if you're interested in that sort of and thing. But most of them you've probably never heard of yeah oh yeah so many like just like the, yeah. one, the ones that aren't good aren't you know here of because they're probably particularly propagandy but you know yeah that's just the way it is um so yeah this 1941 is when buck privates come comes out and it's a fucking massive success um huge hit you know they are in a one year they become the number one movie stars in the world um, both like they're voted by like you know magazines and whatnot and various people, but then they're also in terms of money made, they're they're mm-hmm. they're making nearly a million bucks a year. Now I don't know if that's each, but I think oh it... or both, yeah. Because yeah, that's the weird thing with them. They're such a unit. It's yeah. like it's got... yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I was also reading that in this er- around this period. Um, Allegedly, Lou Costello kind of, like arranged to have the shares of the profits split sixty forty. Sixty forty for him. For him, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I assume so. Like, why would you be like, "Hey, I don't you know, know what? You should <laughs> you know, have I want to make money. less money. You should, you should take it." Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but so. I think that may have caused a bit of tension at the time, but I mean, to be yeah. honest, it makes sense. Costello's doing a a little bit more of the work in these some of these movies. Like, yeah, he does. Well, some... like I don't. Yeah, yeah, definitely in terms of screen time. But like, I mean, I can't comment on like what it takes behind the scenes to put the joke together, right? Yeah, no, of course. I just mean in terms of like what you see yeah. on screen. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. doing a bit more of the. He's carrying a bit more of it. Exactly. Uh, 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 it, apparently, at this point. The, they were considering doing a Broadway show with the Universal Monsters. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we've been talking about like Abbott Costello, but in parallel, basically, yes. Universal has been making these like massively successful monster movies. Yeah, which like you know, basically, you know, that's where all like our Frankenstein and our fucking Dracula, like yeah, just, your your modern conception of them come from, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's like. The, the the way the, what you picture when you think of these classic monsters is these yeah comes from these yeah. movies um and so yeah as you say they're, they're, it's parallel so it's in their in their minds and they're like i think they wanted to do broadway because they haven't actually done stage stuff in a while since they've been doing movies right yeah and I think they feed off of that as a lot of stage people They feed do. off the energy, yeah. Exactly. And obviously, as I think we were talking about in Wayne's World, uh, you know, filming is very different than doing something in front of a live audience in terms oh, of like, yeah, stopping and starting and whatnot. Yeah, it's completely um, different. Uh, the monsters that you're talking about, they're fucking huge during World War II. Um, yeah. Which so is most, I think the, the, the most, like, uh, seminal movies that of the monster movies were actually made like a little bit earlier in the 1930s yeah but but definitely they were still popular at the time yeah yeah and i think they just like they started cranking out like i just mean more oh in terms yeah of, like, box office wise they started mm-hmm. just kind of cranking them out during the war yeah. um so as these it's kind of the perfect parallel <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like they came up at the exact same well you, you know i guess the monsters were on film earlier but in, in terms of, like, career tra- trajectory, you know, they kind of came together. Yeah, well, it was, like, you know, Universal is, like, I have this, this, and this tastes great, and I have this, and this tastes great. Why don't we put them together, and it would make an amazing, like, you know, thing, you A know? delicious sandwich. A delicious sandwich, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, peanut butter and jelly. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but unfortunately, they they didn't really have any time to do a Broadway show because they were, you know, the number they one They were too busy stars. making, yeah, making yeah. all those service films. Yeah, exactly. So um, they just, you know, kept on making movies. They made movie after movie. They made so many movies in the 1940s. So, yeah, so mm-hmm. 1940, they made one after from Buck Privates to Frankenstein. They made 
1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 films. Yeah. In about seven years. Yeah. I, I would definitely say that this movie was probably like the peak of Abbott Costello and it definitely went downhill after this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of the thing here is like. Yeah. Um, in the, they started to go actually downhill a little bit before that too. Mm-hmm. Like their peak was definitely in the early 1940s in terms of film. Um, yeah, at that up till now. Um, uh, 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 um, and then in the mid 1940s, they kind of had a falling out. Yeah, which is uh, interesting. Like I, as I said, there was kind of a lot of there was also already tension between them mm-hmm. which I, you can imagine they've been working together for almost a decade you know it's, it's yeah uh, and the the 60 40 split allegedly might 60 be 40 a, split this point. yeah <laughs> and then you know yeah. spending making fucking like 20 movies you know they must be spending exactly, yeah. so much time together but yeah they had a falling out which kind of came to a head when uh lou costello fired a maid mm-hmm. and then abbott hired her right afterwards <laughs> oh, god so that's all I hear. I've heard about that, but it just that just. Sounds... I'm sure there's more shit going on behind that. Exactly, there's got to be like... more to it because that's silly. But yeah, you know, there's also Costello has a reputation for being a bit of a hothead. Yeah, we might get into that a bit more next week, but um, but yeah, so they had a a pretty big falling out over this, and they actually for like two movies after this they appeared in the same movie together but separately <laughs> oh like never on screen yeah yeah that's bizarre i don't think that worked it, out very well yeah yeah how does that even work like when your entire fucking thing is the routines that they have together yeah exactly like i don't know how they how they tried to make that work i guess i guess they're so famous at this point that they're like we're not working together and they're like i guess let's try <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, I think it, it's like, you know, I think they probably did, like, hate each other at that point, but it's like, but I am nothing without you, you know yeah, what I mean? exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> it's, 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 it's like they didn't have any other choice. Yeah, they had to be in movies together. Yeah. Um, it gets a little dark for a moment. Uh, Costello almost died of rheumatic fever, um, which, don't look at the image on I'm not going to. Because I just hovered over, fever? yeah, I just hovered oh, yeah. over it on Wikipedia, and then <laughs> it's this... brutal when Wikipedia does that. Ever since they added that feature where it shows you the image when you hover over, yeah, it. yeah, it was. <laughs> it's really... like sometimes I've just seen shit that I'm like, I did not really want to see that. Yeah, it was looked like like a cross section of a diseased organ. Just of don't some even kind. tell me about it. Yeah. Anyway, um, he almost died of, of of that, and so he took six months off of yeah. performing entirely, and then. On the night that he was set to make his radio return, uh, unfortunately, his his infant son died in, a, in an accident, which Shit. was a real, obviously, you know, heartbreaking moment, which definitely affected him for for years to come. People said he was definitely uh, not exactly the same after that, which is yeah. fair enough. According to Abbott, he actually he he performed that night anyway. Um, oh, jeez, on the radio because he said, I think, like the whole point. Well, it wasn't the whole point because he was super excited. It's really sad. This is really sad just for one second, but it, it was a long time ago. He uh, he he wanted his. It was his son's first opportunity because he had been off for for six months, and his son was like less than a year old. So he was like, yeah. It was his son. He was his first opportunity to hear him on the radio or whatever. Um, yeah. So he was like kind of excited about that. So he was like, you know, I want him to hear me wherever he is anyway. So oh, I'm gonna, geez. I'm gonna do it anyway. So you know, that's, that's incredibly sad. Yeah. It is incredibly sad. So that's a a, a shame, and yeah. that obviously I think they kind of slowed down for a little while after that. But eventually they they did kind of make amends in like the uh, mid 1940s, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit later, because uh, uh, Abbott suggested Costello named. He had like a foundation. He sort of foundation for children with uh, rheumatic mm-hmm. fever, um, and Abbott suggested he name the foundation after his son. And I guess I, again, I think there's more to it probably, but that's yeah. that's the public story. You know, they yeah. uh, they they were no longer feuding after that. 
mm-hmm. allegedly. So who knows how friendly they were still. They probably were best of friends, but they they weren't feuding anymore. Yeah. So yeah, so at this point, as I was kind of alluding to, they're, it's kind of getting into the late 1940s. Their popularity is beginning to wane somewhat, you know. Uh, they d- appeared in a couple of movies separately. Their their box office pull is becoming less impressive. You know, each yeah. time they make a movie, so that you know something has to happen here. Um, and uh, there's a producer named Robert Arthur. Uh, made a decision. It's gonna resurrect the monster movie idea. It's monster time, baby. <laughs> monster mash. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, and, so that's this movie, right? Yeah, so that kind of, that, that bleeds into the pre-production of this movie. Yeah. So do you Um, know when they came up with the idea to do this movie, if they had the later, like, movies like The uh, Invisible Man and The the Mummy, like, Abigail Meet the Mummy in, in, in? I, I don't know. I'm sure they have plans for that. I I think All, I I actually I do know that apparently when when they finished this movie um I don't know if they planned to do an invisible movie uh, invisible man movie right after this yeah but that when they finished this movie there was an invisible man movie already like in planning stages yeah and so they just inserted Abigail into that's it hilarious <laughs> I just uh, what I imagine is that they probably had the trigger like they were ready to go they were ready to pull it just whether or not this movie was successful or not right yeah and they were like it obviously was so they were like boom let's do it like as yeah. you say they're like we're already making this invisible man movie all we have to they were probably already let's make it an Abbott costello let's, fucking, the invisible man. let's just throw all the fucking yeah. Abbott costello yeah. in there it worked so let's do it but yeah so they decide somewhere around 1947 to that it's monster time, so they come up with a script, um, and they 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 show it to, to Costello. Um, mm-hmm. He hates it. Yeah, he said his daughter could write something better. <laughs> um, who was a child at the time? Um, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was originally titled uh, "The Brain of Frankenstein." Oh yeah. <laughs> But it doesn't have Ava Costello in the name. Yeah, it's not in the name. Uh, it yeah. Does, apparently it was. That was an issue. Everyone around the studio was like, that's a terrible name. It sounds like a straight horror film. Like, Yeah. It also reminds me of the Star Trek episode Spock's brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No. The brain of Spock. Yeah. <laughs> Abbott Costello meets Spock. Hey, we're doing another, another section later. Don't ruin it. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Um, anyway anyway anyway, yeah so they decided that sounded that they have to change the name because you know the brain of frankenstein's not working uh yeah so they they do it like a an audience test of the name abbott and costello meet frankenstein um yeah which tests unbelievably well uh well because it's just like you see that and you're like what frankenstein abbott costello I'm Damn, in. let's go see that. <laughs> I'm in. But like I feel like that that almost does a disservice to what the movie is though because it it's, makes... it's 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 um it's more like I would call it Avon Costello meet Dracula and also Frankenstein and the Wolfman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's more <laughs> Dracula's way more of a of a main way, character. Like, uh Frankenstein, Frankenstein barely speaks. Yeah, the, the but then again, I guess monster. in the movie Frankenstein, Frank, sorry, in the movie Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster also barely speaks. Yeah, yeah, he's more of the like, he's the plot point yeah. more than he is the character. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's it. I feel like that title um kind of doesn't. You know, it kind of sounds like Ernest goes to jail. You know what I mean? It doesn't. Yeah, but I mean, it's also like, <laughs> it's like I don't know. Ernest goes to jail. It's exactly what you expect it to be. You know? Yeah. And this well, movie is well. This is like Abu Costello on another Abu Costello adventure, basically. This is, I guess, it's what you expect it to be, but it's better. <laughs> yeah, it's better than. I mean, obviously the title worked. It got people to see the movie, but like, it's so much more than that. <laughs> Uh, exactly. That that's such an <laughs> understatement. It's Dracula and also Frankenstein and the Wolfman. 
exactly there's so much in it it's such a it's yeah a, it's such a big movie um, yeah so as we mentioned at this point boris karloff no longer frankenstein yeah the mantle had been handed to glenn strange mm-hmm. uh who was a classic western bad guy because he was so big and like you know intimidating looking apparently he mm-hmm. was in tons of westerns one one day apparently he became frankenstein because you know boris karloff was was leaving uh and the uh the makeup artist who's a guy named jack pierce true legend Mm -hmm. of the of the film industry he he saw glenn strange playing a pirate and this (laughs) particular pirate character had a big scar on his face and he's um, just like, hey, this is our new Frankenstein. And he's like, hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he's like, he offered Glenn 25 bucks. And he was like, okay, stay on set like an extra couple hours. Oh, and um, he's like, I'm going to make you up into Frankenstein? Well, what he d- he didn't tell him what he was doing. He put paper oh. over the mirror and he made him into Frankenstein. <laughs> and he was like, what, what do you think? And he took the paper off the mirror and apparently Strange was like, holy shit, I'm Boris Karloff. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could definitely see the similarities, but also like, I wonder who's taller, Boris Karloff or this guy? Good question. He Glenn's was this range. guy was six six, as reported, uh, in the documentary I was watching, the making of documentary. Um, how tall is Boris Karloff? I think he might be taller than that. Wait, no, that can't be right. How tall is he? IMDb, IMDb says he's five eleven. But it seems like he's taller than that. Why? Well, I'm sure he's wearing huge. Yeah, maybe it's just the way they shot it. Yeah, it does. He does seem that, that he's like my height. That's that's that doesn't seem right. That also, that is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> he is. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, I guess also the way they shot it, right? Yeah. And again, he yeah. must have had huge like yeah. shoes on. <laughs> Definitely. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, so this guy's like a, almost a foot. No, not a foot, but like not half a six foot inches taller. taller, basically. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. So he made him into the monster. He was like, he was into it, obviously, because he thought he looked like Boris Karloff. Yeah. Um, and as you said, yeah, Boris Karloff, not interested in being in the movie at all. <laughs> he mm-hmm. he apparently thought it was it uh it made fun of Frankenstein, and he didn't like that. He yeah, thought, but you know, he was later in a movie with Evan Costello. Yeah, well, you know that's different. <laughs> that will, that's uh, that, that was a, that was a different times at the at this. <laughs> that point, was after the movie made money. Exactly. <laughs> uh, um, what was I gonna say? Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah, and then we also get Bell Lugosi as Dracula. Classic. Which is like a damn fucking shame that they didn't do more with that character. Like, not in this movie, but in general. Yeah, so great. So and, great. And uh, cause like. Like, he, like, Bela Lugosi absolutely fucking defined Dracula. Yeah, like, he's, Dracula's such a good villain as, and, with yeah. Bela Lugosi as Dracula. It's fantastic. And, uh, absolutely fantastic. And then also, like, um, it, it was also just kind of a shame, like, what happened to Bela Lugosi's career. Like, uh, like, he didn't do very well, like, after this movie came out. Like, no. after, like, after Dracula and after this movie came out, and then he ended up making movies with Ed Wood which is a shame. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he he should have been more. Should have been more. He was a he was fantastic as as this. Yeah, character. so but yeah, best best Bela Lugosi movie planned on from outer space, am I right? <laughs> oh, yeah, you are correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no doubt about um, that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Ch- Cheney. Uh uh what was this what's this called? Lon Cheney. Lon Cheney, yeah. Lon Cheney Jr. Which you have spelled Incorrectly. incorrectly yeah i saw that you have spelled it like dick cheney yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is well, not correct not correct uh it's, it's um, cheney with an a um, yes he was apparently he had a similar this opinion. is lon cheney jr i just need to uh junior yeah i've said clarify because yeah i've said lon cheney senior was also in the horror game yeah different different lon cheney yeah his father i mean it makes sense he's junior it makes sense that his father would also be named lon cheney uh, what else has he done? So, what he, so Lon Chaney Sr. was in Hunchback of Notre Dame and Fan for the Opera, which were like kind of the the very original uh, uh, Universal horror movies. Yeah, but like the... Lon Chaney Jr. was the Wolfman. Yes, and, and also cool. some other things. 
he's a great wolf man he he's has a... played uh frankenstein in ghost of frankenstein sorry he played frankenstein's monster in ghost of frankenstein interesting i did not know that yeah but he's uh, i love him as the wolf man i think he's a perfect yeah. wolf man he, well, he is the wolf man yeah and he's a great actor um yeah. and he really he really i don't know he brings an element of like seriousness that really makes this movie like yeah exactly good. like you know yeah like he's a really good character in this movie. This is, uh, you know, classic savage Hollywood um, mm-hmm. business. Universal wanted to to streamline the makeup process. They were like, it's taking mm-hmm. too long, costs too much money. We're cutting back. Um, and you know, Jack Pierce, the legendary makeup guy, he's been doing it for twenty years. He's legendary. Uh, he was described as quote cantankerous. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess he was a little bit difficult and he was not enjoying the streamlining and budget redu- reduction so much. Um, yeah. So they fired him <laughs> and hired his assistant, uh, which <laughs> is savage. <laughs> yeah, that is savage. Um, on the grounds that his assistant streamlined the whole process, which right. he severely did. Yeah. And we'll leave it up to the I, v- I will say the I don't know if the Wolfman makeup in this movie is as good as some of the other movies, but it's the, fine. It's it's fine. It's not as good. I, yeah, I, although I will say, because uh, you said like you said it was like a five hour process or something, right? Yeah. Well, the Wolfman's a five hour process originally. Uh, yeah. And then the uh, the the new guy turned it into a one hour process. Yeah. Basically. So I will say from Lon Chaney Jr.'s perspective fantastic i prefer one hour a hell of a lot to five hours yeah he apparently loved it all the actors yeah. loved it were super happy yeah. with it which makes sense because especially yeah. imagine back then like actors hate it now and like you know yeah, they exactly. have like breathe breathable shit they like actually yeah, try the and technology is way better now exactly they were using like foam rubber and shit like apparently yeah. looked, like the frankenstein head was made out of foam rubber so uh, 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 Strange's forehead would sweat, but you know it's non-absorbent, right? And it's sealed, Ugh. so there's yeah. nowhere for the yeah, sweat to go. So exactly at the, at the end of the day, they said he would take off the head, and a full cup of like liquid would just pour Ugh. down his face. It was like horrifyingly Ugh. uncomfortable to work. Yeah, that's brutal. Like, in those in those conditions, <laughs> um, and apparently, so the the Frankenstein process. Uh, still took like three hours, but you know, mm-hmm. so you can imagine, you know, the di- the difference. Basically, they turned everything into like one piece. So like, yeah, the Wolfman face became instead of like a full, you know, multiple pieces, it became one face piece with mm-hmm. like you know hair and stuff around it. Where and the and the uh, the Frankenstein became, you know, face makeup with the headpiece, right? So okay, yeah, it streamlined. Um, yeah. So yeah, so we already mentioned that they brought Charles Barton, the veteran director, back in. Uh, mm-hmm. They loved loved working with him. He, uh, he, you know, apparently they did stuff with him that they wouldn't do with other directors. I don't really know what that means, but that's what they said. That's what. Uh, the, I mean, I, I assume he probably gave them, like, a lot of room to improvise because, like, what else the fuck do you do with that with Costello? Yeah, exactly. It's like, they're kind of in charge of their shit, you know? You don't really... Yeah, exactly. You don't really direct them. You just let them do their thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, la- earlier we were talking about, you know, like, the Wayne's World issue, you know? It's hard to keep it light. You know, you gotta keep... You're doing comedy. Comedy's much easier yeah. when you've got an audience laughing. You can play off that, and it's like, it, it it's a whole energy thing. So you know, in a film, you've got to when it says cut and action, you know, it's so hard to like, you know, it, you know, you got to come back in and out. It's like, it's not easy. So you know what they did <laughs> to what, keep things light on set? They hired a fucking clown. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, whatever, whatever works, man. Yeah. Like apparently, like it, it was such a such serious business that they like, um, like they were obviously part of it too. They were like playing pranks and like clowning around between takes. Like uh, they got a apparently they got a reputation, uh, for being unprofessional for some people because Abigail they were. Gazelle? 
yeah, yeah, because they were like constantly, you know, clowning around, and they literally had. Well, a but clown that's their whole set. thing. Exactly, and it's just to keep yeah. in fucking character because yeah, it makes a, sense. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. Um, also, it's a horror movie, so why not have a clown there? Yeah, why not have a clown? Exactly. <laughs> that's probably why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hilarious but yeah so they hired a fucking actual clown to basically they they described him as a jester his job was to just that's, fucking. that's a pretty apt description yeah yeah and apparently he would like ruin takes though like really you like, <laughs> to take sometimes yeah if i was the director i, I would probably be like i what don't the know if this clown needs to be there like <laughs> could can you just fuck right off i need to fucking make this scene happen yeah like Good lord, that must have been frustrating, yeah. but also kind of kind of funny. That's kind of funny, yeah. Like, from everyone but the director's perspective. Or anybody else who has to, like, or the camera operator. Anyone or in DP, charge of, like, resetting the, the lighting shot. lighting people, grips, all that. The technical people who have to, like, yeah. make the movie happen. Like, shoot and yeah. reset the shot. Those yeah. people are grumpy, but yeah, everyone just sitting around is entertained. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh but yeah yeah so this is kind of work we're starting to bleed here into the actual production um so, so we will we'll be back at you next week with that information but before we production. go ooh, do we have another segment All right, Six Degrees of Star Trek. This is where we, uh, well, we kind of alluded to this earlier because, you know, you mentioned Star Trek. But this is the segment in which we connect this film to Star Trek through people who are in this movie. Fuck yeah. All right. Or, uh, so, what do you think? Do you think Costello gonna... meets Spock? That, did it happen? No. Well, no. <laughs> but... Darn. Let's, I mean, you know, if you follow the connections, you get to Spock eventually, I suppose. I suppose. Okay, all right, all right. Well, that's promising. All right. What do we got? So, we got? let's start with, uh, so, uh, this, is a, this is actually really interesting, this whole segment. But, so, let's start with um, Bela Lugosi. Okay. Okay. All right. So, Bela Lugosi was in a 1945 horror movie called The Body Snatcher. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's a classic movie, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. Um, this... Not to be, not to be confused not with to, the invasion yeah. of The Body Snatchers, which is no. also a classic movie. The remake of which has Leonard Nimoy in it. Oh, really? Fuck, <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so anyway, The Body Snatcher was directed by one Robert Wise. <laughs> what? Robert Wise, well known for directing uh, West Side Story, Sound of Music, and also Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yeah, yeah, I believe we we went through this once, but it's an excellent, excellent connection. Robert Wise is a hilarious connection to Star Trek. Uh, yes. Like, an amazing connection. Like, it brings some a real sense of uh, uh, legitimacy to uh, the connections. Yeah. Okay. So this is a circular connection. A circular connection? What does that mean? Because, well, I'll explain. So let's start with Lon Chaney Jr. Okay. Lon Chaney Jr. was in a 1965 Western called Black Spurs. Okay. Also in this movie was one DeForest Kelly. Oh, everyone's favorite. Who is Dr. Uh, McCoy doctor. in Star Trek the Original Series? Yeah. Well, he in a western, really. Yeah, well, he's in a lot of westerns actually. Yeah. I I was just I was going to say he is a perfect yeah. western actor. Yeah. It's probably why they did so many westerns in Star Trek. So let's continue with this circular connection. <laughs> okay. Um Sorry, what was I going to say? DeForest Kelly was in another 1965 Western. Okay. (laughs) Called Apache Uprising. Ooh, okay. With one Lon Chaney Jr. 
No Who was way. in Abacus Elevate Frankenstein? Whoa, that's awesome. Circular. It's a circle, man. It's a, it's like a snake eating its tail. Exactly. <laughs> so that's what I mean by circular connection. That's amazing. So that's technically three connections. Yeah. Okay, which well, is what I usually it. do. But we have a special connection, which is like, I guess not, not really a connection because like it's not an actor. Okay. But this movie has the very interesting honor of being mentioned on screen in Star Trek. What? That is that is an honor. That is quite an honor. Tell me which which when the, where. So who in in the Star Trek Enterprise episode Horizon. So <laughs> Uh, if you've ever seen Star Trek Enterprise, you know the character did, Trip Tucker, who is the engineer just, on the did ship. Did you know this off the top of your head? Yes. <laughs> also, there's a memory alpha page, which you should check out, because I find it hilarious that there's a memory alpha page for Abacus Elmy Frankstein. That is hilarious. So, but yeah, I did know this off the top of my head. So there's, there's a character called Trip Tucker, who likes old horror movies. <laughs> okay. And uh, let me just quote this from... Uh, from memory out from the memory alpha article okay it says trip tucker wanted to project this film during movie night aboard the enterprise in january 2153 <laughs> tucker stated that he might show this film along with the three greatest horror movies of all time frankenstein bride of frankenstein and son of frankenstein <laughs> <laughs> followed by abbott and costello meet frankenstein it makes sense exactly that's a good, that's a good uh, series of films so yeah, this movie was mentioned by name in Star Trek. This movie that's is canon a, in Star Trek. That's amazing. Yeah. But that's all I have. That's all the connections. That that, that was an amazing uh uh six series. That was that was a good one. Top tier. Thank you. <laughs> this I I particularly like the circular connection. Why why thank you? I'm proud of it. <laughs> it's very good, very good stuff. <laughs> Actually, right. I should I shouldn't take uh, I shouldn't take uh, credit for it because it's DeForest Kelly and it's all, uh, Lon yeah, Janus Jr. Kelly. who really made it happen. Exactly, it's all their <laughs> hard work in uh, Apache Uprising and Black Spurs that yeah. uh, that made it made it possible. <laughs> all right. So but, with that, I think uh, we've reached the end of this episode. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that's this week's stuff. We've 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 laid the groundwork. Um, talked a bit about Abbott Costello. Next week, we're going to actually talk about the production and some of the gags and all that. We'll get into... Yeah, just really, really good the stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. fun series. Fun, fun couple episodes we got. Yeah. So, so but s- uh, before we go, I'd like to give a shout out to all our listeners in Germany. <laughs> das ist gut. Yeah. <laughs> das ist gut, meine Freunde. Danke. Yes. Um, so we shall see y'all next week. Brand new episode on this very movie. 